0: Right, We're all taking right. all the best old school wisdom and blending it with the top new school methods to bring you the optimal coaching strategies. This, this, this is the eighty twenty Baseball Podcast with Coach Bo. Welcome, youth baseball coaches, parents, and even players. Welcome to the eighty twenty baseball podcast masterclass weekly get together. I'm fired up. I'm fired up. Two reasons. First one, as always, I'm excited, fired up to be here with all of you. The second one that even elevates that fired upness. I'm just making up terms here. Is an awesome email that I woke up to this morning from one of you great listeners. You know who you are. And the listener, the email was saying kind things about the podcast, getting a lot out of it, and also had a great topic, suggestion, question for an upcoming episode. Love it. Fires me up. If you have not already been over to 8020baseball.com, go over there. There's a dozen articles. There are about 13 videos over there. It will take you hours and it's just pure information. There's no commercials on that. There's no advertisements on those articles. It's just information, content, knowledge to be a better coach. Also the drill design guide. Go over there, put together. It's a 21-page PDF I built it entirely myself. It took quite a while to put it all together to give all of you great coaches, coaches that want to be great, want to be good, want to be better, want to go out there and have confidence knowing that what you're going to do and use is going to work. It took a while to put it together so it could be a paradigm changer. The drill guide, if you go over there, hopefully you've already went over there and got it. It's emailed directly to you instantaneously. It is not going to give you specific drills to do, because as a coach, the real confidence comes from going out there as a coach, knowing that you know how to design any type of drill or training environment, depending on how many players you have, the age you have, the experience you have, the location, the field, the conditions, there's a lot of variables. So one size fits all with drills doesn't always work. I see these great drills online on YouTube, but they're college drills. They're college drills with college equipment, college field, college resources, college players that already have a higher Level foundation than youth baseball. And so I think it's important to have the paradigm. So it's like a little mini ebook. You go over there, you read it. it. Shouldn't take you more than about 15, 20 minutes to read it. And it will tell you exactly the steps, the parts to building any great drill at any time, any place, for any activity, for anything. So go over there. It's right there on the homepage 8020baseball.com, 8020baseball.com. Speaking of 8020 principle, I saw a different type of version, a different version of of the 80-20 principle on Twitter this past week, a coach who was, a base, he's a baseball coach, a higher level baseball coach. And he was talking about nutrition and eating and, and also exercise and things. And he was like, hey, you just be 80% good. Don't try to be perfect. If you take 20% of your days off, like if you work out four days, of the, take a fifth day off from exercise, or if you eat four awesome meals, hey, have a meal that's not always like just perfect because it's about consistency. Essentially, he was saying consistency is king, not perfection." but consistency is king or queen. So that was a 80-20 version, a version of an 80-20 type of principle that works. It really is the key to consistency. Perfectionism is the enemy of progress. Perfectionism is the enemy of getting things done. And so I saw that, thought that was good. Want to share that with you. Today's episode, I got a pregame tip, a tip that you can use pregame. Now it's only going to work with one of your players at a time, but you can set it up with all of your players or at least all of your pitchers. I got a great quote, and this quote is coming from somebody not at all related to the sports or athletic world, but it is super useful. And if you've listened to this episode at any length, if you've listened to any or most of or even a decent chunk of the last 149 episodes, you know I'm a huge believer in bringing things from all over different places, all the great wisdom and putting it into being better coaches. Because if all we ever did was rely on baseball coaches, baseball managers to guide, us, we would still be very far behind, I think, where we could be, way behind where we could be. This podcast is the 80-20 baseball, 80-20 baseball podcast masterclass. 80-20 has nothing to do with baseball initially. In fact, I've never seen it tied to baseball until I said, hey, I love this 80-20 principle. I just love it. And back to the, if we just followed you know baseball coaches in the past or baseball managers from past or the baseball world, and we just followed that moving forward, our progress historically would show, if we back-tested this, our progress would show that we would move very slowly. Why are the... The San Francisco Giants, who won a major league best 106 games last year. And the president of their organization is somebody who really never played baseball. He's an MIT guy, he's like a Cal Berkeley. The person running the San Francisco Giants, a historical, well known organization, an organization with history, an organization with phenomenal players still on their team. It's being led by somebody who I don't even know if he played high school baseball. He might have played high school, but there's no baseball in his background, really. Almost all of you have more baseball experience than the president of the San Francisco Giants. Why is he the president of the San Francisco Giants? Because he took things from outside of baseball and brought it in and infused it with baseball. And I always said, and I'll continue to say, if baseball people, if there were some 60 and 50 and 60, 70 year olds in baseball that were in baseball that have been in baseball for the last 30, 40 years, and there are a lot of those, if they would have just spent five years immersing themselves in analytics and data analysis and they caught up with some of the tech and they stayed up on that. And they took all the wisdom that they had, all the wisdom they had from the trenches, and then took the best of the newer stuff, the new school stuff, because they're going to have a huge advantage. They've been in the trenches. So they can say very quickly whether it's going to have an impact if they look at it unbiasedly and they come at it with an open mind. There's no way some guy from MIT is going to walk in and take his job. There's no way. But they've let it happen across the board because coaches have gotten stuck in there. This is how we. You do it or you're not, a you know, they don't, they thought these non-baseball guys and gals were not going to make it. Well, the difference was the people coming in, these newer school people that came into the baseball organizations and into college baseball and into all parts of the baseball world. Well, they took all the new school stuff that they knew and then they got time in the trenches and then they put it together. Had you flipped it around, there's no way it's those old cotton tops that had been in baseball and they were 60 years old, they'd been in pro ball, been in college ball for 30 years. If they would have just stayed up and read and studied up on this and gone to Conferences and listened to podcasts and just studied and tested this stuff out here and there. There's no way their jobs would have been taken. No way. No way. So we got to evolve. We got to be better. But we also want to learn from all our experiences in the trenches and then continue to build on that. And we're going to do that today. So I got that great quote from a non sports, non baseball person that we can definitely use as leaders, as managers. Part two of today's episode is part two of our Words That Often Decrease Success series. It's going to be part two of our three part series titled Words. that often decrease success. Coaching words that decrease success. Last week, we talked about bullpen scripting, scripting bullpens. Go back and listen to that if you haven't. Entry-level cheap technology. There's, There's plenty for youth baseball and even high school baseball. We talked about that last week. Next week, I'm going to share out, if you have the funds to buy an expensive piece of technology, I will share with you my number one recommendation next week. Last week, I shared a wise piece of advice for all of us from the great coach, Pat Summit. And we started our three-part series, Words That Often decrease Success. So we did part one last week. Go listen to that. Now, part one this week, game prep, scripting out pitchers pre-game throwing and pitch routines. I firmly, firmly, firmly recommend that each of your pitchers working with you, working in concert with you as the coach or one of the coaches, or if they have a pitching coach that they go and see working with them, have them script out their pre-game throwing routine, their pre-game pitch routine, their pitch bullpen routine. So their throwing routine, their pregame pitch routine, and I would have them also script out or timeline their pregame routine. Now, this is for starting pitchers. You have a starting pitcher, of course, that's going to know exactly when the game is going to start or almost more often than not, it's going to know. I know games get shifted back sometimes because the game before, I know in youth ball, this happens a lot, but at least you'll know even when the game gets shifted back, typically they say, hey, all right, 12 o'clock game is going to start at 12 30. So there's some forewarning. So the starting pitcher typically knows when the game, when the first pitch is going to be. They know if they're home team or visitors, so they can adjust a little bit from there, but they know when the starting point is on the clock. I would have them work backwards from this and outline, timeline, the routine. It doesn't need to be to the minute, although that's not a bad way to go, but I would add some buffer into that. I would add a few minute buffer. I think that's always good with anything we do, right? Any type of scheduling. You don't need to get this perfect the first time. I think having a throwing routine that can follow a script. Well, you should have a throwing routine scripted out. I'm going to share with you in the course, crash course, coaching crash course that I'm building that's coming out later. I'm going to share out the exact throwing routine that I recommend that covers all the aspects of throwing that need to be done before the game at the right volume, but that should be scripted out. And the bullpen session, the amount of pitches should be scripted out and the variety, the delivery, or if they use the stretch at your level, wind up stretch, pitch allocation, inside, outside, up down, that should all be scripted. It should be scripted out and then it can be adjusted as the season goes on it doesn't need to be perfect to start but it can be adjusted as the season goes on as you as the coach and the player realize hey, i need to do be less of this or more of that or whatnot before they go out to start so it should be scripted their throwing routine might be different than the rest of the team's throwing routine because they're the starting pitcher it should be a little different and their bullpen session should be scripted out pitch one through 25 or one through 20 or one through 15 or one through 35 or 40 you just got to be careful how many pitches you throw but you don't want to throw too few pitches, but you don't want to throw too many, but that's part of scripting it out and having it a process in writing that you can adjust and have on a computer. You can just move it around, print it out and bring it to the field for the game. Each player should have this printed out for them. You can keep it as the coach or they can keep it. I think you can keep it depending on the level and have it ready for them. Have a clipboard, throw it on there. There they go. Boom. There's their throwing routine. There is their time-stamped routine. Now you might say, coach, why go through all this trouble? This helps on various levels, but believe it or not, by scripting scripting it out by having a player, a starting pitcher follow a process, by having them focus on these processes, the steps that they're going through before the game starts, this helps their mindset and their mental well-being, their mental preparation more than anything. I do believe this is a big deal for physical preparedness, that it is important to make sure they're not over-prepared, under under-warmed up, over-warmed up. I think it's important that they go through the variety of pitches and sequences that they're going to be doing in the game, that they're going to be using. In the game, but I think that it is so important for starting pitchers to have something to focus on. We talked about this with the hitting approach, the pre-pitch or the in-between pitch hitting routine, batting routine. I believe the biggest benefits of this is that it takes the focus, it requires the focus to be on that process, not on the other team. So it forces them to focus on their process. It gives them something to anchor their thoughts do that is productive and not on the other team, not on the spectators. It decreases the chance they'll have negative thoughts. It limits, it inherently limits the time that performance destructing thoughts can seep into their mind. You can only think of one thing at a time. Now we can bounce back and forth like a monkey mind super fast, but technically we can only have one thought simultaneously. We can't have two thoughts simultaneously. We got to bounce back and forth if we were going to do something like that. So we can only have one thing in our mind at any specific given time. Well, let's make sure that we give players something to focus on, something, a process, a routine that if they're going to stick with it, that they're going to follow along to this script, it keeps them in the moment focused on that process and not the other team, not the spectators, not the field conditions, not the playoff situation, not the jitters. Those are still going to happen. I'm not saying this is going to eliminate any of that. What I'm saying is it it will reduce it. it. will decrease it. And maybe for some of your pitchers, substantially and enough that it makes a significant difference come game time. Giving pitchers, giving players a routine to follow, gives their mind, their thoughts, something to anchor to. Because if you're not anchored, then you're just floating with the seas. You're floating with the current. These players' minds will be like a balloon that gets away at a birthday party into the sky. It's just going to go where it goes. Versus a kite. A kite is going to move with the wind, but it's tied down. It's anchored down. Somebody's Holding the end or it's sticking in the ground, it is not going to take off. But I think scripting out a pitcher's pregame routine, having them just script it out, this shouldn't take super long. I would start with the pre pitch bullpen routine and then I would have them do a timeline starting from the first pitch, working backwards to when they would start their first bullpen pitch. It could just have three markers bullpen starts at this time, bullpen finishes at this time, get a drink of water at this time, rest for this amount of time boom, first pitch. You could work backwards through the throwing routine, through the stretch routine. Although typically at the youth levels, stretching and things work together as a team and even the pregame throwing routine kind of go together with the team. Although a starting pitcher may do that a little bit later than the team in terms of the throwing routine, the, the throwing prep routine. But hey, that might not always be the case. So I think this is good that they have something scripted on a clipboard ready to follow. Make sure the print is big enough to read, you know, easy enough to read from looking down if it's on the grass. If you have a coach that can work with with the starting pitcher or be around, they can give them an update on that. They can give them a update on times because sometimes they can't see a clock. Sometimes there's not a clock on the scoreboard or things like that, right? The youth baseball fields don't always have access. I do think it's not a bad idea to get a cheap clock. You can get a cheap clock for under 10 bucks, a digital clock that's battery operated that you could have out there. So the pitcher and the players can see that if they are following a routine. Can't tell you how many times over the years starting off as a younger coach, I would be asked, hey, what time you got? What time you got coach? Hey, what time is it coach? What time you got coach? they're trying to get their routine sequenced out and dialed in and lined up with the start of the game. So they're always like, hey, because you'd be at so many fields that didn't have clocks, all right? It's not like in college baseball, all the fields had clocks, or most all of them, professional baseball, they have clocks. So it's a lot easier. But at youth baseball, even high school baseball, for the most part, they don't have clocks that you can just follow along with as a player. But having a little digital battery operated clock is something that's good because it decreases the anxiety. Anxiety of not knowing. There's that anxiety of like, God, what time is it? How much time do I got? How much? time. That's a small little morsel of anxiety, but added together can really change the way a player performs and the way their mind moves forward in a positive or in a negative way. And lastly, it decreases the chance that the focus will be on the other team, on fans or spectators or all the things that could come into a player's mind that are not productive, that will decrease their performance or will have a chance of decreasing that performance. We can't eliminate this. We can't get rid of it, but we can reduce it and we can minimize it by having some of these things in place. So I highly recommend that. Quote of the week. I told you last week, I want to start getting back into these quotes. This quote is from Seth Godin. Seth Godin is somebody who does speeches, talks. He started off, I believe, as like he did marketing, but he's moved himself into kind of a mentor, an educator of a lot of small business people, but he's good at what he says. His wording, his message is really good. Many of you probably already know who I'm talking about. And here's something he said in his book called Tribes. Your team, your team, that's your tribe. That's your tribe, right? You're leading your tribe of players. Here was his thoughts on leadership. Quote, leadership, on the other hand, is about creating change that you believe in. My thesaurus says the best synonym for leadership is management. Maybe that word used to fit, but no longer. Movements have leaders and movements make things happen. Leaders have followers. Managers have employees. Managers make widgets. Leaders make change. So you can extrapolate that message, that advice over to being a baseball coach. We're trying to be leaders, not a manager. And I know we hear the word manager in baseball probably as much as anywhere in terms of the coach is called a manager, but we want to be leaders and we want to think of ourselves as leaders, not managers. When you go out to the field next time, ask yourself, are you going out there? Are you going to be a leader or are you going to continue in the kind of that management? In a lot of cases, that kind of leads us to micromanagement or running around trying to organize, manage this, move stuff here, move these kids over here, do this. It's a lot of helicopter coaching in a way. I think it's important to think of we're a leader out in front. And that goes with what we talked about last week. We want to be a leader. Part one of our three-part series, Words That often decrease success. Part one was let's be a leader when it comes to not making excuses around our players or even just defaulting our mindset to making excuses. But let's definitely start with not making excuses around our players, because what we do a lot of times in the coaching world, in the baseball coaching world, in any coaching world, is we try to manage the excuses that come up. Let's be a leader that shows, that models what it looks like to not make excuses by not making excuses or maybe quickly addressing it and then giving a different way for players to look at something that might've been perceived as an incident, an issue, something that took place, an event that could or often leads to players, even coaches, seeing it and coming up with an excuse, inherent or naturally coming up with an excuse. Let's lead by example, by not making any excuses in front of our players at all for anything. And two, if we do hear those excuses, give them something to go forward with, be a leader like that. So we wanna manage less, we wanna lead, more. And that goes into the part two of this week's coaching words that often decrease success, words that decrease success, talking about the score too much, talking about the score too much around our players. I'll tell you what, I've coached with a lot of great coaches and the coaches that talk about the score less, they talk about the score here and there on a need to basis, on a when necessary basis. Those coaches have players and teams that focus and talk about the score less. There's less talk amongst the players about the score. There's less focus on the scoreboard. Let me start off by saying this. I by no means am saying you shouldn't know what the score is. I am by no means saying we shouldn't keep score. I am by no means saying we should never talk about the score. And I am by no means saying that we shouldn't use the score to adjust our coaching strategies and things like that from time to time when it needs to be or when they need to be, I should say. What I'm saying is if we talk about the score too much, that's not a good thing. And that leads players that we're leading, we will lead them to thoughts about the score. And it's really difficult. It's really difficult for our players to focus on what they're trying to do, their process, their at bat, their quality at bat, their pitching delivery, the competitiveness on the mound, knowing the outs, knowing the situation, knowing how to play the game the right way. It's very hard for them to focus on that when they're overly focused on the score. And also even the best teams, even the best teams in baseball are going to lose 30, 40% of their games in youth baseball. It's less, but even youth baseball, they're going to lose some games. And sometimes often teams lose games and they didn't play terribly. They played well. The other team just had a great game, had a phenomenal game. The pitcher was dialed in. You tip your cap. Their hitter was just hitting anything. Didn't matter. Made good pitches. Pitch was below the knees. The breaking ball was a nice breaking ball. It was sharp. It was on the outside corner. Didn't matter. The other team, the other hitter, he smoked it. It happens. We need to be more focused on the process, but also using the results to guide our process. We've discussed that here at length. But I hear things like, and and I know a lot of you have heard this, I've seen teams whose coaches overly focus on the score and their team, their players, for example, will be running in from defense, running in from the field, getting ready for their turn to hit, their turn to, to bat. As they're coming in, I've heard this from certain teams I've coached and been around and consulted for youth coaches. I would hear this. We're chasing two. We're chasing one. Hey, we got a lead, but let's score more. All right, let's put up a crooked number. Those are a few examples of talking about the score, but in different ways, too. So it's not always like, hey, we're losing five to three. Right. They'll say, hey, we're chasing two or they'll say, hey, let's put up a crooked number. This is saying the same thing. It's score related dialogue. We want to avoid score related dialogue log as much as we can. And only when we need to talk about the score, and you'd be surprised, I truly believe most coaches would be very surprised how little we need to talk about the score for it to help our success. The question we need to ask ourselves is, is talking about the score this much or at this time helping our success, or is it more likely to hinder our success or reduce our success? I think that's the key question. And maybe it's a neutral effect on our success. It's neutral in terms of, it's neither. the initial comment is neither hurting or helping our team success, our player success, but it's taken away from their ability and their mind. It's taken away from that finite amount of time we have to think about things that are productive, to make adjustments, to think about executing whatever it is that's coming up next, to know the situation, to know what play is coming up, to see and watch the pitcher with a clear mind and see what pitches they're throwing, if they're struggling, to be aware of what's going on. It's hard to have clarity and awareness of game situations if we're focused up on a scoreboard and focused on some numbers. I think following the score is important for coaches, less important for players. I think coaches need to follow it, but I don't think it should be something that's talked about very much at all, only on a need to know basis. It's a need to know basis. And I'll tell you what, players don't really need to know what the numbers are. In fact, they, they can tell themselves that these kids, they're not done. They'll follow that score. So we as coaches, we need to focus on the process more. We need to focus on the actions that we're doing, the steps that are kids should be taking to be better, let's affect the scoreboard by changing our dialogue more to the actions and steps in, in the process that we are moving forward with. Another thing, the score is not always reflective. Most of the time it is, but it's not always reflective of what's happening in the game. I know Dennis Green, the famous football coach, says you are what your record says you are. You know, the scoreboard says you won or lost. That's what matters. But I've also heard coaches say, hey, we beat that team by seven runs, but we're not a seven run. Run better team. We're not seven runs better than that team on average. Sometimes it goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. So, focusing on the score, the score may not be truly indicative of what's taking place. So, that's a little side note on an addition to really taking away from our players' thoughts on working the process and getting better. You don't get better with the scoreboard by going over to the scorekeeper with the little buttons and pushing it and adding runs to your score. You can't do that. You can't just go over and start adding runs by pushing the button. You can't do that. You can't change. The scoreboard by adding more runs with your finger pushing a button. What you can do is have better approach at the plate. What you can do is have a more competitive pitcher on the mound. What you can do is have your defense know where to go with the ball. What you can do is having a base runner aware of being able to take the next base when there's an opportunity. There are hundreds of situations in every game where the players need to take advantage, need to work the process, and they need to focus on the action at hand, not the numbers up on the scoreboard. Less is more in this particular case, and in many cases cases. Coaching less is more when it comes to talking about the score. I'm not saying we shouldn't bring it up on a need-to-know basis. Before we talk about the score, ask yourself, do they need to know the score right now or do they need to focus on some fundamental that they need to get better at? Do we need to take better approaches at the plate? Do we need to have a better two-strike approach? Do we need our pitcher to be a little more competitive and throw it, you know, pound the zone a little more or whatever it is? Do we need to work with our catcher on the setup? There's so many things you can cover. Do we need to move our outfielders back a little in a little? Do we need to move our third baseman up a little? Because the team bunts a lot. They're apt to drag bunt more often. We need to focus on the actions, the step, the process, less on the score. And it starts with the coach being a leader, like Seth Godin said, be a leader, not so much of a manager. Lead by example, by talking less about the score. And that is part two of our words that often decrease success. If you're going to talk about the score and you think it's pertinent to a strategy, maybe you bring that up with the coaching staff out of earshot, just down the foul line, off to the side. Whisper it a little bit. You're not trying to be secretive, but what you're trying to do is keep your kids from focusing on the numbers on the scoreboard and the strategy that might or might not happen. And you'd rather have them focused on the process. All right, as you can tell, fired up to be here, share this out with you. And I just know as a coach, it's just the best feeling knowing, going out there to the field with confidence, knowing that what you know is going to work. Here's the thing, I'm giving you a direction. I'm not giving each of you a specific path because your path and your players and your area and your look at what you're doing, your person, your vibe will be different than anybody else's. But what I'm trying to do is say, hey, this is the direction you need to go. This is the direction you don't need to go. Now have at it. Go be an all-star coach. Be here next week and I'll share with you the first expensive piece of technology I would purchase for yourself, your team, your kid, or your program if you have the funds to do it. And it may surprise you, this recommendation that is. Next week also, we will wrap up part three of our three-part series titled Words That Often Decrease Success. Coaching Words That Decrease Success. You're gonna wanna hear this one. This is part three. It's gonna come together and be a third strategy that you can couple with these last two to be a better coach and have confidence knowing that what you're doing out there is going to work and is working. And with that said, support the podcast. There's a link that you can support the podcast right there in the show notes. There's a link. You can just support that. I appreciate that. Keeping this rolling. The podcast has been going since 2019 is when December 2019 throughout the first episode, almost seven audio books worth of content here, commercial free content. We're at about that seven audio books worth of length. The average Audiobook over 4,000 minutes of just content here. And this is, I I spend a lot of time on this. I take time away from my family on Saturdays and typically on Mondays or Tuesdays before we launch it out. I send this over after I record it to my great editor, Sam, who you can find on Fiverr. If you need any help on this, S A Y E M, he edits this, he sends it back. Then I edit it again to make sure you're all getting the best content. I take out any extra things. I go, Hey, I get a little bit. Then I'm very harsh on myself and trying to give you something really good. So your support, if you want to email me and find ways to support this podcast, keep it rolling. That would be greatly appreciated. Go over to the 8020 Baseball, get the drill design guide. You can contact me through there, through the website. And thank you, all of you, for what you're doing as a coach. You are in a role that can change and shape your community, your area, your players, your kids, and the future, not just in the baseball community and the baseball world, but in the world, helping to shape the next generation to be better human beings through the vehicle of baseball, through the fun game of baseball. All right. I will see all of you back here next week. And until then, take care of your health so you can be the best coach you can be. Take care of your families, your close friends. And I wish you a wonderful week until next Tuesday. Adios. This has been the 80-20 Baseball Masterclass. Take it to the field.